Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I don't know who the guy was that that took me off my feet. (laughs) Pretty much body slammed me, but hey, that's, that's football. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I did enjoy getting hit that first time. That was that was definitely a welcome. This NFL thing isn't it's hard. Bobby actually told me to wear this suit uh, today because um, he said I was gonna ball out. So you know, appreciate the profit, the profit, uh, Bobby over there. Thank you, DK. All right, Russ for MVP train is back on the tracks. Let's go. Oh, the MVP train is back on the tracks. I just wonder whether it's Russell Wilson or DK Metcalf in the running for MVP after Metcalf's performance yesterday. We'll be talking about that and much more as we have eight Sundays of the 2020 regular season in the books. All games that have been scheduled to be played have been played through eight Sundays. That is good news. Better news. We're with you for two hours. It's PFT Live. Peacock. Sirius XM 211, NBCSN at 9 Eastern, Sky Sports NFL at 7 o'clock UK and Ireland time, I think. Podcast whenever you want. Hi, Chris. How are you? I wanted to get you right in the middle of a drink. Hi. Speak now. I'm good. Go. How are you? Good to see you. Great, great, great. Doing good, man. Uh, well, lots of talk. You're about. a little salty this morning. Yeah. You're a little salty this yeah, morning. Yeah, they changed the process this morning. Checking Just into the building. Less. Okay. Oh, uh, First world problems Jeez. times 10. Yeah, we get well, to talk football for two hours. I know, but when you walk in the building at you know 6.35 and you're on live TV in 25 minutes, you don't want to be told then that there's going to be a new process walking into the building. So that was, uh, hey. yeah, threw me a little curveball wrench into my day there, but I'm good. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm a little salty, but here we go. That's not helping your argument that I should move up there. See, if you worked at home, you wouldn't have these issues. Oh Chris. yeah, yeah. Well, See, thank I, you. I, I had to. I had to. I had to navigate uh, a, 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 you know, a thing of uh, water bottles, which uh, fortunately I grabbed one. That was my commute. I had to walk around the thing yeah. that I was supposed uh-huh. to take downstairs Saturday. Uh-huh. All right, let's get to it. It's BFT Live, and and let's begin with uh, the biggest game of the day. 
And I'm extra happy about this one because I saw it coming, although I was nervous about it for most of the game. I thought the Steelers would go to Baltimore and win. There's something about this Steelers game. And and big picture, let's start it at 10,000 feet, as the cool kids like to say, and then work our way down. What's your biggest takeaway from the outcome of the game? My biggest takeaway from the outcome outcome of the game is, I mean, if if Lamar Jackson is not careless with the football, the Ravens are going to win the game easily. I mean, that, that, that would be my biggest takeaway. You know, uh, the game itself was controlled by Baltimore. You know, to me, again, and I know we haven't, you know, we're watching a lot of games and doing all that, but I thought they were clearly the better football team on the field. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Pittsburgh or anything like that. I'm giving them credit. I know Blitzburg, that's what they do. They cause turnovers, do those type of things to help their football team. But I still think, like, the big questions with Baltimore are there, too, you know, within that. Like, yeah, I think Baltimore is a better team. Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson really hand-gift-wrapped wrapped a few, uh, you know, turnovers and points for them altogether. And we're still going to have questions about Lamar when they have to pass, and you know it's a passing down. Can he overcome those situations? And I think that's still a real question. Well, and 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 one of the one of the questions I have, yeah. big picture, as it relates to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. You know, we've we've heard complaints about teams like the Browns that can't beat good teams. The Ravens, for as good as they are against the above average to the average to the bad team. Right. You rarely see them stub their toe in a game they should win. And Lamar Jackson's regular season record is phenomenal. But he's now 0-3 against the Chiefs, which he has called the team's kryptonite. Right. He's 1-1 against the Steelers. And the win last year has a big Ben-sized asterisk next to it because right. Roethlisberger wasn't there. And they barely won it in overtime. If Marlon Humphrey doesn't punch the ball out of Juju Smith-Schuster and the ball stay in bounds, the Ravens may have lost that game. Look at these numbers from two appearances with Lamar Jackson against Pittsburgh. And I'm glad we started banging this drum last week because it ended up being somewhat prescient. Sacks, five the last time, four yesterday. Turnovers, three in week five of the 2019 season, four yesterday. That's not good. And, no. and so if the Chiefs are the kryptonite, I, I don't know. I mentioned this last night. I don't know the, the Superman trivia enough to figure out what the Steelers are. But there's got to be something else that bugs Superman beyond kryptonite, and the Steelers are it. Yeah, well, they got a lot of the pieces to yeah bother Superman in this case, certainly. I mean, I think, you know, hey, their front seven, the way they fly around, you know, the, that, that is always going to cause problems for anybody, let alone a guy like Lamar Jackson, who, yes, is going to tote the line of, you know, holding the football or I might make a cutback here even though I see there's defenders coming and it could be dangerous, but I'm going to go for it and try to cut reverse field here, 20 yards, whatever that is. The Steelers are big, they're physical, and they do rely on this style of football, definitely. But when you talk about Lamar Jackson, pick six to start the game. You know, then the interception to start the second half, which leads to jump-starting the Steelers' offense, who could do nothing at that point, like absolutely nothing. Everybody, go look at the stats of the first half of the Ravens-Steelers game. The game is dominated by the Ravens. Then, those, so there's two interceptions. Then the fumble, as they're down in the red area, right, dancing around the 10-yard line or so, Mike, the game's 7-7. They turn the ball over. They leave seven points on the board or at least three points on the board right there. 
I mean, they stop Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh punts it back. They drive right down. Pittsburgh never really stopped Baltimore all day long, but they have playmakers, and that's why you sign big money playmakers because they make big plays and big moments, and we saw that yesterday from them. Yeah, if you had told me before the game the Ravens would have 265 rushing yards, I would assume the Ravens would have right? won the game 31 to right. 10 or something like that, but that wasn't the case. Let's hear from Lamar Jackson on his mistakes and from Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach, on the fact that the Steelers don't fear the 2019 MVP. The turnovers, I feel, is the reason um, we lost the game. I put that on me. Um, the start of the game, the first drive, a pick six. Uh, then we drive to the red zone, a fumble. Uh, I got to get the ball I could because we know they're dominant up front. Uh, and then the pick um, off, the, off the player from the flat, throwing at the mark. Got to clean those up, and I feel we won that game. So that's all to it. You don't expect um, Lamar Jackson to make those kind of interceptions. How big was that to change the momentum? You know, um, you know, we have respect for him, but we don't fear him. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're not surprised by anything that transpires. Hey, hey uh, Mike Tomlin, Mike. There. <laughs> no, no, no. But 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 that's the thing. Yeah. If you are in awe of a guy, you've already lost. They are not in awe no. of Lamar Jackson. And and the other thing is, they are not afraid to hit a quarterback who becomes a running back. Right. I asked Mika Fitzpatrick about that after the game. It comes from the coaching staff, and and this is in an era where we see defensive players get hesitant when the quarterback becomes a running back, and for good reason, because the flag pops up in the pocket for the officials when you hit a quarterback the same way you'd hit a running back. Lamar Jackson drew a foul yesterday at the sideline that if it was a running back, if it was Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, that flag's not coming out. You're right, there's but no it came way. Out because it, it came out because it was Lamar Jackson, but the Steelers don't care. They'd rather, and, and this is a more artful way to make the point than I made it back in January and pissed off all the Chiefs fans, the Steelers would rather just go play football. And if it means that, that the official may throw a flag because That's right. it's a quarterback and not a running back, they don't care. Right. If he becomes a runner, we're going to go tackle him, and we're going to hit him, and we're going to make him think twice about running again. Now, Micah Fitzpatrick said other quarterbacks, they start to slide more quickly. They start peeking around. Lamar Jackson isn't affected by it. But you have to wonder whether or not getting hit and getting rattled and always being concerned about that Steelers defense at some point contributes to the mistakes he made. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, it does. And, you know, again, that that goes into, hey, it's Baltimore, it's Lamar Jackson. You heard him refer to, you know, down in the red zone. I can't hold the ball like that. We know they got a dominant pass front. You know, th this to, to what you said, Mike, you know, the Steelers not being afraid or intimidated. You know, that, that, that is certainly an aspect. Most teams who play Baltimore lose the fear intimidation factor and the Lamar Jackson off factor, you know, within the first few drives of the game. The first few times he goes zoom, 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 and up the middle and all around the edge and throws a pass. They're like, oh, my gosh, Baltimore's amazing. We can't beat them. Pittsburgh, yeah, they're not going to get that, and especially not in that type of game. I mean, first off, with that game right there, there's more alphas – you know, badass mofos, okay? Sorry for my language there on a Monday morning, right? I just wanted to tote the line a little bit. But more in this game than you'll find any other game all year as far as big, physical people. And you have to adjust your game when you play in games like that to where even a guy like Lamar Jackson, as gifted as you are, right, Mike, he's got to rein it in a little bit to just go, wait, 
This is a different beast I'm playing this week. This is not, you know, the Cleveland Browns or some of these other teams where I can just run circles around their linebackers and their safeties. You, know, you, you hold the ball, you make a mistake against the Steelers, TJ Watt, Dupree, to it, they're coming and they're going to force an issue. And I think Lamar, maybe he can build on that aspect next time around to just have a feel for the intensity, speed of their defense to where he can maybe be better. But he certainly was the big issue yesterday. And, you know, it still came down to the last play of the game. Right. And if if Lamar Jackson makes a better decision with the football, maybe gets Minka Fitzpatrick to commit the way that Fitzpatrick thought that Jackson was going to go. Fitzpatrick told me after the game that when they broke the huddle and he saw to his left Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, he thought it was going to come to Andrews up the slot and Lamar Jackson looked that way, and Fitzpatrick was watching that way, but then when it pivoted back to the other side, that's when Fitzpatrick broke and broke up the pass intended for Willie Sneed. And John Harbaugh, I, th I think he was, I think he was suggesting, not necessarily right. interference, but blow to the head of a defenseless receiver, right? Because even if you don't go helmet to helmet, you still can't strike a receiver in the head or neck area with your forearm, with your hand, right. with your shoulder, with anything while he's in a defenseless posture, that flag wasn't coming out in that spot, not on that play. It no. wasn't egregious. It would have to be you flatten the guy. You you jack Tatum the guy with your with your elbow. I mean, you just you do a clothesline or something like that before that flag's coming out. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, like but, he, but it was a great he, play. He he touched the Go ball ahead. first. You know, the, that's what we've lost track of that rule in the as far as ball down. You're still field. defenseless. I, You're I, still defenseless well, if you touch the ball first. Okay. Well, he's I'm still, talking he, about I'm not talking about interference. I'm talking about defenseless. I know, but getting hit the, in the guy head. is not he's making zero play to hit the guy. He actually is going to play the ball completely, and he touches the ball before the offensive guy does. So that, right. yeah, that, you know, to me, I, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm trying to accentuate the point a little bit to where I, yeah, I don't think John Harbaugh can ask for that call there. Like you're saying, it wasn't a launch. It wasn't somebody trying to hit somebody. It was truly right. two people trying to play the ball, but we've seen questionable calls. No, like you're that right. Made I know in, in an effort to protect players, but usually it involves a helmet of a defense of a defensive player not the hands. And you're right, Fitzpatrick did touch the ball first. I, there was no question about pass interference, though. It wasn't in part because he touched the ball first. This is about being struck in the head, yeah. and it wasn't nearly severe enough to get that flag. So the Steelers win. And and look, the Steelers, even though they're perfect in the win-loss column, it, it really was far from perfect. We mentioned yeah. 265 rushing yards. Time of possession, out of whack. Yes. I mean, the Ravens did outplay them. I don't know how you feel about this look at this 221 total yards for the Steelers 457 for the Ravens uh, 48 rushing yards for the Steelers uh, yeah. you know, if, if you show me that without showing me the final score I say as I said earlier 31-10 right right, right. That, that, that's what's amazing to me that the Steelers found a way to win this game but you know what that's what great teams do that's what teams that do is. when they're having a special season they find a way in the one stat that matters, all the rest of it doesn't matter. Points scored versus points allowed is all that matters, and that's their focal point, Chris. No, you're right, and that's why they are masters at finding playmakers on a, on a defense, offense, whatever that may be. Hey, it's a tough game. The scheme's not going to always deliver. 
you know, at some point you need some guys that can make some plays and some big moments that can, you know, surpass what the scheme has to deliver for you and you can make the plays. And, you know, you bring up that stat sheet again too, Kristen, if you don't mind in the back there. You know, another thing too that I, I think is we got to stop this because this is this is a part of football. If you see the, the total yards there, you know, we saw Pittsburgh 221 yards. Look at the nine penalties for 110 yards. That I mean, to me, that should yeah. go almost onto the total yards of Pittsburgh too. Big Ben did a great job of taking some shots downfield to create some pass interference calls, which were also part of those – you know, yards as far as helping the Steelers out. But, Mike, I ask you this, all right, going forward, right, because this was a great game. It was really close. There's two ways to look at this. You know, one, you could be Baltimore and go, okay, we, we messed this up, right? We outplayed them, and we made turnovers. We won't do that next time. We're going to beat their butt. Pittsburgh can also look at it and go, we didn't play good. And we kind of figured it out in the second half, especially offensively, because once they kind of got jump-started, all of a sudden Big Ben and them, they figured out how they wanted to attack Baltimore. And who, like, who do you think has the advantage going next, ne next time around, where Pittsburgh can go, yeah, we got outplayed, but we still won, and we can play better. Who do you think has the edge in that, you know, as far as that psych psychological aspect there? Well, yeah, that's a great question, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not punting on it, but – the thing we have to keep in mind, both teams need to forget about it for now, especially the Ravens, Chris, because they got the Colts. Yeah. They got the Patriots. They got the Titans before the game on Thanksgiving night in Pittsburgh, which you'll see on NBC. I mean, think about that. They got to play the Titans, the team that beat them in the playoffs last year on Sunday. Yes. And then Thursday night of that week, Ooh. play the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they, they should not think about the Steelers at all until after that Titans game ends. They, they, they already know what to do. I think if you're the Ravens, your mindset is, let's just go do what we did. Yeah. And and surely all those breaks won't go their way, and surely we'll have an officiating crew that won't give 110 yards to the Steelers. And if we just go play the way we played, except for the turnovers, if we just go do what we did, it'll work out this time. Yeah. It, it just was a fluke that we lost the last time, and they're going to be desperate. I mean, look, now the Steelers could all of a sudden start losing game after game after game, but as of right now, they've got a two-game lead, plus they hold the tiebreaker. If they would end up winning the game on Thanksgiving night, that that is essentially four games well, yeah. that the Ravens otherwise have to make up because right. you have to catch them and then pass them in the standings because they'll hold the tiebreaker. Yeah, and to Mike, to your point, just to you know bring it up, I mean, Pittsburgh, you talk about the Ravens' next three games. Pittsburgh's got the Cowboys, the Bengals, and the Jaguars before they play the Ravens. I mean, they legitimately on Thanksgiving night – Unless they just mess it up one of these next three weeks. And, and really, Joe Burrow and the Bengals is going to be the toughest part of that three-week three, three week matchup. Steelers are going to go into Thanksgiving night really with a great chance to be 10-0. I mean, how awesome is that going to be that we might have a chance to watch the Steelers-Ravens Thanksgiving night, really important football game, Steelers undefeated against their rivals. Uh, man, that, I, I hope it actually plays out that way. I'm hoping for that. And, and let me say this. If this was the Patriots in any year of the past 15, right? Yeah. With that remaining schedule, right. we'd be talking about them going undefeated. You're right. Nobody's going to talk about would. the Steelers going undefeated. But if it was the Patriots, <laughs> You're right. right? Yeah. Look at that schedule. Pull it up again. Yeah. Other than the Ravens game, 
Thanksgiving night, which is hardly an easy one. There is no game on there that screams out loss. Now, the Bills game, but boy, the best two games left for the Steelers are on NBC on Sunday night football against the Bills and Thanksgiving night against the Ravens. Right. But but those are the only ones that make you pause. And based upon what we've seen the first eight weeks of the season, you're not going to pause for long. You're going to say, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. They'll find a way to win it. Because once you do that eight times, people start believing yeah, they kind of know how to figure out how to win these games. And I think part of this has its roots in what happened last year. When you don't have your starting quarterback and you still have that mentality of fight and scratch and claw and never give up, fight and scratch and claw and never give up, and then you get Ben Roethlisberger back, damn, that makes all the difference in the world. Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben. We we do got to give him some props before we move on to the next game just because – Again, like Lamar, who played awesome, but, you know, played by like his, you know, pants were on fire and it cost him with four turnovers. Big Ben did a great job of, wait, let me let the game come to me here. Let I'm not going to mess it up. He understood what the rivalry is all about and how to play this football team and that, yeah, it might not look pretty, but when we have our moment or when I have to, we'll step on the gas and you know, their defense, of course, delivered for them. But the, that jump start at the, the start of the second half, you know, they really figured out how they wanted to kind of short passing game. Oh, it's one-on-one. We'll take our shot downfield. They found their mojo there a little in the second half, too, to where, you know, Big Ben, the next time he plays the Ravens, I think he's going to feel a lot better about it to where their offense can go into that matchup going, wait, I think we know how to attack them a little bit better. We know what to do. We know, we, we know the feel, the size, what everything about them, too, to where, hey, I got to give Big Ben credit. Year off from football. He's gotten better every week. And even though yesterday wasn't beautiful, it was still really good. And he didn't mess the game up, which is what most quarterbacks do against the Ravens. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. There was a minor elbow scare for Ben yesterday. He went down kind of awkwardly, and they were checking it out, but everything was fine. And Notre Dame receiver Chase Claypool is being spoiled as a rookie in the NFL. He tweeted, losing, never heard of her. (laughs) That's great. Hey, it's something to come to the NFL and end up 7-0. And, hey, how about this? Avery Williamson, the Jets linebacker, traded to the Steelers to go from 0-8 to 7-0. Are you kidding Uh, me? Yeah. When did that happen? Oh. Last it night? happened last night. What were you doing? I don't, what watching were you doing? Football. Where were you? Watching football. Well, I don't know. I did not you gotta, know. You got to crack crack open Twitter once in a while. Avery Williamson traded. That's to the a Steelers, good trade so. for the Steelers. That really is. Yeah. He's still a good player, and yeah, th- that gives him another stud inside in that three four defense. Wow, that's that was hey, really good job. Way to go, Mike. Way to follow the spend, NFL. If you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't have to spend twenty five minutes getting into the building today, you would have seen it. All right, <laughs> let's move on to <laughs> Seahawks. Uh, and the 49ers, and man, we thought this one was going to be differently. Here's Pete, uh, go differently. Here's Pete Carroll talking about the star of the day, DK Metcalf. He, he was, he's just so freaking tough. And, and uh, whether, he's, you know, whether he's blocking guys or whether he's catching the ball or whether, you know, they smack him and the ball arrives and, and, and he's standing over those guys, you know, when they fall off of him. Uh, when he caught the ball on the, on the crossing route, I started sc- screaming that they weren't going to get him. Right, from, like when he was way over there, because he's just too fast. And and uh, uh, he just circled the whole defense and put it in the end zone. I don't even think they touched him. It was a great play. Um, we're so lucky to have him and, and have him grown and, and emerging as such a, uh, a dominant football player. It's really something. 
This guy drive him crazy. Defensive guy through and through. To have all these weapons, everything that he hates about football, he's got now in Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. And, you know, Chris, you said it all week. When they went back and looked at the film of the loss to the Cardinals, they had to have been beside themselves that they didn't involve DK Metcalf more. And there's a balance there. You don't want to make it into that OBJ dynamic where the offense becomes paralyzed by forcing the ball to a guy who maybe isn't open, but you know what? Metcalf, when's Metcalf not open, right? Look at the difference from last week to this week. 12 catches, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. And uh, this guy, is he, he's not on his way. He's there. He's one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, agreed. I, I think right now, as we stand here, you know, halfway through the 2020 season, I, Mike, I think you're okay. Go ahead, say it. He's the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, if he if I'm a quarterback, he's the guy I'm taking right now. I'll just say that. I'd go, oh, if we got one pick right now, wide receiver, who are you going to go with? I'd go, I'll, I'll take DK Metcalf. That's just that, that's that plain and simple. You know, yeah, thank you, Mike. You're right. I banged on the drum for it last week. I, they had to have been sick watching the film from that Arizona game on Sunday Night Football last week going, wait, we let a team play man-to-man against our freak of nature, DK Metcalf, this many times and we didn't attack it? DK Metcalf is like that – $5,000 chip you got at like Las Vegas if you're Johnny Big Baller, right? That's what he is. You got to use you got to use it a little. You got to put pressure with people on it because if you're just going to let people play one-on-one, you're letting them now cheat and take away other things in your offense. So, yeah, you don't want to go like you're saying obsessive, right? Where you want to just every play's got to be for him like OBJ with the Giants and all those things. No, but you want it to be the point to where you make a defense go Really? Okay. We, we let you play man-to-man once the last series. You're going to do it again and again and again? you got to feed him until the point to where you go, no, you're going to have to double him. I'm sorry. Oh, and now you're going to eat Chris Carson up the middle and Tyler Lockett across the field and those things. They have a great chip there, and that they, they didn't use it to its full extent, I guess, with my horrible analogy uh, last week. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is, and, and we've moved on, but at the same time, I'd love to know how they internally broke that down and decided right. what went wrong. Was it Russell Wilson not looking his way? Was it the play calls that were constantly away from him? Was he deliberately a decoy for that game and they thought it was going to be a Tyler Lockett game? Look, when you've got DK Metcalf, you've got you've got a guy who and, – and it's too early to compare him to Randy Moss. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. He, you, but you've got a guy who – you have to get the ball to. Yeah. And any t- I remember when Randy Moss was in his early days with the Vikings. It was a given. Anytime there was single coverage on Randy Moss, Randy Moss was getting the ball. Period. And they waited for those moments when Moss would be single covered and he's getting the ball. Period. That's where DK Metcalf is right now. Anytime he's single covered, he gets the ball. And maybe a lot of times when he's double covered, he finds a way to get open. LeBron James is taking notice, calling DK Metcalf. Baby Braun, <laughs> yeah. which, uh, hey, look, you know, anytime you cross over like that and players in other sports are noticing your greatness, yes. there's plenty of great players in the NFL, but DK Metcalf now has that special aura about him in his second season. The sky is the limit. Everything that everyone saw in that chiseled physique, and we thought it was too much. We thought something wasn't right, and there were the vague concerns about the, the injuries and he did have injuries at Mississippi and there was concerns about his limited route tree and he's learned he's grown and maybe he's in the perfect place to do it working with Russell Wilson because I think Wilson understood what he had and if he worked with it if he sculpted it if he just kept focusing on helping him get better he would get to this point where he is and now 
I, I think about these two tied together yeah. for the next 10 years. Oh. It's, a, it's a scary proposition. It, it, it is. I mean, I, well, I mean, I really what I think about, you know, I know you brought up Randy Moss and certainly it's that kind of I, I honestly think he's more T.O. than Randy Moss. Right. Just with that physique and kind of when he gets going, those knees fly up in the air. But I mean, the, the touchdown Pete Carroll is talking about. I mean, that, that's insanity in the membranity. I don't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> what in the hell? I mean it is. I've heard. <laughs> I, I, well, okay. Well, that's I mean, good. he's going uh, around I'll the edge. You. Almost every wide receiver in football, maybe other than Tyree Kill, is not going to be able to turn the corner there and go. They're going to go out of bounds or get pushed out of bounds. But he has the speed and body control to still stay in. And, you know, again, I don't know what happened in the draft. I'll, I'll say, you know, I don't know what anybody was looking at. You know, I know I've been wrong. I wasn't wrong about DK Metcalf, you know, and he was overanalyzed, Mike. And I also think, you know, in the NFL world, too, at times, too, oh, he's got a nose ring and, you know, he dyed his hair a different color. That scares people off, too. I mean, the NFL's got a lot of traditional base type of people there. But either way, the guy comes Isn't to work. Isn't that stupid? It's stupid. In this day and age. It's stupid. What? I mean, and you get what you deserve. Yes. I remember Alvin Kamara at one point saying that he was going to meet with someone and, oh, the GM's kind of conservative. Can you take the the, the, the thing out of your nose? Right. No, I'm not doing it. Good, right. don't do it. What in the world? This is not 1972, no. people. Although there may be reasons when you look around to think that. No, it, it, it's, it's good. It, and that's what you get. If you passed on DK Metcalf because he dyed his hair or because he's different in some way, yeah. that's what you get, and, and the Seahawks benefit from it. Yeah, you're right. They do. And, they're, I mean, it's like, do you set, to your point, Mike, it's the perfect place. He's got a quarterback who is so humble and will always give him praise and make sure everybody does. Pete Carroll, just, you know, you know he's going to feed that and love that and everything about it, too. And, hey, we got to talk about the Seahawks. Yeah, they won the football game. DK Metcalf was obviously the big story of the day. But – the Seattle defense, I got to give them some love, too. I didn't expect that type of showing. I did not. I really thought that the 49ers offense would have their way. I mean, Seattle's defense has been the worst in football. It's not even close. And there they are yesterday, stopping the run, harassing Jimmy G, causing a few turnovers. So maybe they've learned something a little bit, too, here, how they want to play. I mean, it's two weeks in a row. It's, you know, last week wasn't horrible either. They had some moments against Kyler Murray. When they get Jamal Adams back, maybe they are going to be more of a force on this side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the big stunner for me, the fact that the, right? the 49ers couldn't run the football. They couldn't implement their offense the way they wanted to. And and now you've got injury issues on top of it. George Kittle's got an ankle problem. Jimmy Garoppolo left. They've got a short week with the Packers coming to town Thursday night, a team that the 49ers blew out twice last year at home and the Packers will be talking about their game coming up there they're in greater need of a win on that short week and they don't have the injury issues so uh yeah 49ers it's just every time we feel like a team is I moving know. very sharply in one direction whether it's good or bad it pivots yep one last note one last note before we go um insanity in the membranity is actually a craft beer made by the workforce brewing company we're gonna have to get you some insanity in the membranity. And okay. actually, I go because because here's what happened. Every once in a while, you hatch one of these crazy words, and I know what you were doing. It was for effect because you say insane in the membrane all right. the time, which is a reference to a song from like when you were two. Yeah. But uh, every once in a while, one of these crazy words you come up with is actually a word. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that it is that membranity isn't actually a word, and it's not. <laughs> 
but it's a beer, okay. which makes it even better. All right. All right. Uh, let's. We'll get some insanity in the that. membranity in time for the holiday seasons, which uh, I just go drive around the holiday. Se- Happy holidays, by the way. I, 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 I know we got to go. No, but what happened? I, it fast forwarded I go, the holidays all of a sudden. <laughs> I go to the grocery store once a week, and I'm driving to the grocery store, and it's October 30th. And I see a happy holidays sign, and I'm like, did they leave that? Like, is this a pandemic thing that they just got busy and they didn't take it down from last year? It's like, holy crap, it's already starting in October. Come on, people. I don't want to see a Christmas tree on a light pole in October. <laughs> Can we at least wait until November? All right, let's take a break. AFCE starting to take shape when PFT Live continues. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We know what that what this uh, what this game means to our fan base, and um, just really really special. Wish they could have been in the, in the building, honestly, to uh, to experience it. It would have been it would have been crazy, I'm sure. And uh, hopefully, everyone at home enjoy it. This is an emotional win for for our entire city. Um, a lot's going into this to get us to where we are, and, and there's still a lot of football yet to be played, and a lot of things we have to get better at. But I'm going to go home tonight and just uh, take an hour or two and just enjoy being around my family here. Sean McDermott, Bills head coach, after toppling the New England Patriots. Is, is it time to sing Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead? We're getting close. Or, or with- I mean, we should start, like, warming up the band and, you know, warming up our vocals a little bit because I think it's – I mean, it might be right around the corner. I, look, they, they played the Bills tougher than most people thought they would. The game could have gone either way. Yeah. starting to get that vibe that, oh, crap, the Patriots are actually going to win this game – before Cam Newton fumbled in the red zone with, you know, just enough time left for the Bills to take a knee or two and end it. So uh, I, I, I don't think the Patriots are as bad no. as two and five would suggest. Agreed. But they're running out of chances. There's That's only right. so many losses you can take before your path to the postseason, even with seven spots in the AFC. It, it, it's just not going to happen. And, and they've got to go – at two and five through seven games, they got to go seven and two. I think pretty to much even have a chance. 
I don't know that this I don't, is a team that can go seven and two. I I I I, I agree. I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, where they're sitting right now, yeah, seven and two, and I'm not even sure that'll make it. I mean, you know, you look at the AFC. What? Oh, you're looking at your bingo thing. What's the bingo. But you what, look. What that that was. The, uh, let me. Somebody's a little too happy with the 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 bingo trigger yeah, finger. That's today. all right. Keep but it go going. Ahead. Keep the bingo thing going. It, it annoys Mike. You can see that. So do, pull it anytime you want. Um, either way, it though, annoy, it doesn't annoy me like being slowed down at the door on the way into the building. No, it doesn't. Story. No, it doesn't. But nine and seven. I mean, I don't know if that's going to make it this year in the AFC playoffs. I don't. To where I look at it, I'm, I'm Mike. I'm not sure they they might only be able to lose one game really. And now they have a somewhat of a favorable schedule. They've gotten a lot of their tough teams out of the way, but they're still cer certainly not like slam dunks, not with the way New England plays. I mean, you saw the way they play yesterday. Every game's going to look like that for New England. It's not really going to be any different. They can't win unless they can run and control the clock and Cam's going to be able to run. They're not good enough in the past game. You know, they're worse this year than they were last year. So you look at what they got on the schedule – a lot of winnable games. There's no doubt. You know, they could make a run here. They got Baltimore in two weeks. That's the only game on here you can look at and just go, oh, New England will lose that one. All right? But other than that, when you talk about Jets, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Bills, Jets, I understand some of those teams you could say are better, but I'm not just going to slam dunk they're going to beat the New England Patriots, and that's why I'm kind of with you. I'm warming up the vocals, but they're not dead yet. Uh, but they're in deep trouble now, that's for sure. Yeah, look, they, if they lose to the Jets, then then it oh, clearly is see done. Good night. The, the Ravens game, which will be on NBC, that will be the opportunity for the Patriots to reestablish their footing. And if they should win that one, somehow find a way to win. Remember, last year it was the Ravens that burst the Patriots bubble at a time where we're thinking, man, this may be 2007 all over again, and it's an 85 Bears defense and all of that. The Ravens changed that narrative quickly. If the Patriots can return the favor, then then maybe the window opens because then you're four and five. And every year there's a team that's around 500 near Thanksgiving that figures it out in December, yep. starts playing those late regular season games like postseason games. Right. And then the next thing you know, they're in 2001. By the way, the Patriots were five and five through 10 games and they won the Super Bowl. Let's hear from Cam Newton and Bill Belichick about yesterday's almost against the Buffalo Bills? You know, I still am, am jeopardizing this team's success because of my lackluster performances of protecting the football. So, you know, coach trusts me with the ball in my hands and I wouldn't want it any other way and I just got to do a better job with protecting it. Do you think um, you're going to go with Cam for the rest of the way or um, do you guys intend to, to turn things over to Jared to see how he fares? Uh, Cam's our quarterback, so it's been all year. You know, he didn't react the way he did back in 2014 when the question was raised of Jimmy Garoppolo playing in place of Tom Brady, which was to scoff and make a face and say we're on to Cincinnati. Right. So at least, at least it's not as big of a no-brainer as it was then, and for good reason. Look, Jay Glazer reported yesterday on the Fox pregame show that the Patriots are very concerned about the mistakes that Cam Newton keeps making, and there will be consequences if the mistakes continue. And at a certain point, the incredible talent level is superseded by carelessness with the football. Right. And what happened yesterday? Look, you run the ball. The ball's hanging out there. You don't have it tucked 
tight against your body. You're not given maximum grip on it. And there's an opportunity for someone to come punch it out. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You're right. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's trying to make a play. He's weaving through traffic. You lose, you know, just that little disconnect of, wait, let me keep the ball really squeezed close to my body really hard because you're kind of reading blocks and trying to weave through it. And he got hit just right, right at the right time. You know, and, and yeah, the, the, the turnovers and the mistakes, they are concerning. He, you know, he's just yet to kind of recreate the mojo he had before he got COVID-19. Now, yesterday was better. He was better. And I think where Bill still, you see him make those kind of comments like, no, Cam's our quarterback because, yes, hey, Jared Sidham, you know, I know they like him and they believe in him, but I think they also look at the way their team is currently constructed and they realize, wait, well, Jared Sidham, we're going to have to get back into the drop back pass game and like play Tom Brady type football with him as the quarterback. And they're, they're no way they're built like that. There's no way they can't spread the field and start doing that. You know, they need the element of Cam Newton's running right now to create some schematical, schematical advantages for their football team. And that's why I think they'll ride with Cam until, yes, maybe another game or two of really bad, egregious turnovers to where then he might be in trouble. But for now, I think they realize he's, he's arguably the most dangerous weapon they got, and they have to use it as much as they can just to find ways to move the football. Buffalo Bills had 190 rushing yards, but gave up 188. Now, look, the Bills, it's nice to see they can win on a day when Josh Allen doesn't throw for 350 yards. Right. They're 6-2. and two. They're 2-2 two and two over the last four games, though. They, they've lost some of that spark, some of that magic that we saw earlier in the season. Definitely. You, there's, there's, there's definitely a gap between them and the upper echelon teams in the AFC that they're going to have to figure out a way to close, right? Uh, agreed, right? Like, I, I look at Buffalo, I use this phrase. I don't know if you tell me if you agree. They're a, they're a playoff football team. They're not a Super Bowl football team. They're not in the Super Bowl conversation. Not for me. You know, I, they might get in the playoffs, win a game. Maybe they'll get, you know, the right matchup, and maybe they win two. But I don't look at them as being a true Super Bowl contender. There's just too many issues there. First off, they're way too Josh Allen dependent. I mean, it's really, it's like you've said. They they have to, him and the passing game kind of have to carry the team. You know, they're not, they haven't been good running the ball. The defense has not been good. Uh, but yesterday was a good, gritty, ugly win. But yes, I'm with you. I don't look at them in the class of Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Baltimore, Seattle, you know, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. I don't think they're in that class of a football team. When I think those two losses they had on a Tuesday night and then a Monday night to the Titans and the Chiefs, that kind of put the ceiling over the Bills. And at a certain level, even though you'll hear all the cliches, they know it. They know it. In there. They, you know, each player individually understands. You, you, you know when there's a category of team above you. Yes. And you, you just can't flip a switch somewhere and match them. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe that's, that's all sorts what you of crazy do. things happen. Right. You're going to show up for the games. You're going to give it your all, but right. you know deep down that yeah, there, there's you'll need there's a break a gap. or two to win a game. Yep. You're right. You're, you'll need a break or two. If we're going to play Pittsburgh, they're going to need a break or two, and probably hope yes, Pittsburgh does something stupid along the lines, and Josh Allen and company will have to do something crazy good too to win those type of football games. But hey, they're they're going in the right direction. Again, Josh Allen's been really good this year. We can't lose sight of that. It's been struggle a little bit the last few weeks. There's no doubt. They've played some good defenses, too. We can't, we can't you know, Vrabel, Spag, Spagnolo for the Chiefs, Belichick. 
Those are three guys that have great knowledge of their scheme itself. And then, hey, the Jets were crammed in there too, and Greg Williams and company, you know, they're not horrible on that side of the football. But the Bills are going to be in this conversation. I mean, I think they're the team to beat in the AFC East. I don't know how you feel. I, I see Miami, but I'm not going to throw that on to Tua yet. I'd like to see a little bit more before I say they're better than the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Speaking of Miami and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, he had his first start yesterday. The outcome went well. The process for the offense may not have. Here's Tua after the game talking about his first NFL start. I don't think I played to the standard of what this offense is capable of. Um, you know, there were, there were certain plays where, you know, I could have stepped up and, and made the right throw, um, made the right decision. But oh, I've, I've heard, heard it many times from the guys in the locker room. Um, you know, it, it's, it's good that we still came out with the win. And aside from that, you know, <laughs> thank God we got a good defense. Well, and the defense wasn't just good on Sunday. It was spectacular. It was one of those rare days. And when you get touchdowns in the return game, when you flip the field with your defense, creating havoc. And, Chris, you were talking about it yesterday. Brian Flores, the head coach, had to have seen something in the Rams' protection that right. they exploited repeatedly. They made the Rams look uh, bad, even though the Rams ended up grossly outgaining. It was the biggest margin of the year from yardage from one team to another, regardless of outcome. The, the biggest margin, the biggest difference, and the Rams still lost the game. It, it was, you know, it, it was that speaks to the butt whooping, though it was on one side of the ball. So, yeah, those yards are there for the Rams and all that, but not in the competitive part of the football game. You know, again, that's what's annoying about stats and things like that. You know, people will walk away at the end of the year and go back and look at this game and go, whoa, L.A., 470, they, they were okay. Well, offense wasn't the problem. No, the offense was the only problem. They were the biggest problem. I mean, they gave the ball four, four times to Miami. One of them was a strip sack fumble. You know, another one set up short field. So, they're, you know, another one took away points from themselves as far as the Rams are concerned. Brian Flores exposed Sean McVay and some of the things that they like to do. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so the protections, having knowledge of where Goff wanted to go with the ball when he was hot. And a few times where I don't even know if I want to say McVay got exposed or more of like the plays I showed last night on, on, on Football Night in America, Mike, where there's just no way Jared Goff couldn't have known like, hey, they have us outnumbered. And he didn't like – realized there was an extra guy three out of the four turnovers yesterday where that to me was like I, I'm shocking for a guy at this point of his career to get hit like that like oh wow I'm a rookie I didn't expect that guy to be free uh that was a little concerning about the Rams overall it is jarring though to look at the difference 31 first downs for the Rams eight for the Dolphins I know, I know. 471 total net yards for the Rams 145 for the Dolphins, and the Dolphins win the game 28-17. to But that's what happens when you can generate points through your defense, through your special teams, and when you can create havoc when the game is still undecided. I know they had to get a little nervous there as the Rams are starting to rack up points, but the Dolphins put them away early and then held on. Mike, uh, that game, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's three teams we've talked about today, and they're all real good teams in football, and they all have somewhat of the same problem 
where you go Baltimore, the 49ers, and the Rams, I look at them and go, they're good football teams, but when they can't bully you with the run game, can their drop can their pass games win them games? Can their drop back pass game win them a football game? And I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. You know, Goff and Garoppolo are a problem that way. You know, Lamar and that team aren't set up that way. And I I just I think those are big questions about three playoff teams we got going forward. Well, questions about a couple more playoff teams who were favored to win by fairly comfortable margins yesterday and both lost. The Bengals and the Vikings pulling off the upsets of the day. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, big weekend coming up on NBC. How about Clemson and Notre Dame? Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern, Trevor Lawrence will not be available due to his COVID-19 diagnosis, and then it culminates in Saints-Buccaneers, the rematch. Sunday night football, the Bucs are looking great. They play the Giants tonight. The Saints pulled out the overtime win yesterday. They are on track to decide potentially the NFC South crown. Well, uh, Chris, the... Titans were firmly in control of the AFC South and the Packers firmly in control of the NFC North. And uh, they both uh, ran into a little bit of a problem yesterday. Let's begin with the Cincinnati Bengals. Four new offensive linemen due to injury. Four of them. Billy Price pressed into service at center. Price was a first-round pick out of Ohio State in 2018. Right. He fell out of the starting lineup this year, been a backup all season long. Price comes in, settles it down. Joe Burrow raved after the game. I spoke to him when they pulled the upset, 31 to 20, zero sacks by the uh, by the Titans. Titans defense. Yep. It has something to do with the fact that the Titans don't have a great pass rush, but right. still, it's an NFL team, and the Bengals with a, a patchwork offensive line managed to shut them out. And Burrow is just incredible. His numbers from a yardage standpoint were down, but still, he had. 25 or more uh, completions in six of his eight games. He set the record for the most completions by a player in his first eight NFL games. He's still on track to set the record for rookie passing yardage in a single season. That was set by Andrew Luck back in 2012. And, uh, you know, Chris, this gets back to a point that you've made in the past. Did the Titans let the Steelers beat them twice? Yeah, well, yeah, there's definitely you can certainly question that. But I think they got beat by Joe Burrow legitimately yesterday. I mean, I do. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. Cincinnati's offensive line, great job, kind of weathering the storm there as far as all the injuries, all that. Not a great pass rush. It even shines more of a light on that, I think, for the Tennessee Titans as a weakness. And then the other thing, too, is, you know, when the pass rush was good, Burrow was just absolutely phenomenal when there is nothing there or the, when the play breaks down. You know, and to me, that's always the sign of a great quarterback. Yeah. It's easy to hit the wide-open guy four yards in the flat. Whoa, whoop-dee-doo. I could have got Johnny from the high school down the street to do that. What about when everybody's covered and there's people around you? He just thrives in it. I mean, he really – he can be surgical, yet he can be an unbelievable playmaker that way. And, you know, gritty, tough win there yesterday, certainly. And you got to be a little concerned with the Titans. Yeah, they made some mistakes. He had the missed field goal. Tannehill throws the interception. We're not used to seeing that. But, man – for a team that we, I think, both held in that Super Bowl, you know, upper stratosphere, your defense looks like that all the time. It's hard for me to start thinking you're a Super Bowl team when Joe Burrow and the upstart Bengals are moving the ball up and down the field like you, like that. 
And uh, the Bengals go into their bye week, and they're feeling pretty good about themselves, even though they're only two, five, and one. And 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 I asked, I asked Burrow about, and it was just kind of a throwaway end of the conversation. Just like, you know, what does this mean for you going forward? And you expect the cliches. Well, we, we would take one game at a time, one day at a time. And Not all from Joe Ohio. He, he said, hey, we have four or five very, very, he went two varies, very, very winnable games. Uh, well, well, I'd say, I'd say four of them, yes, or three of them at a minimum because it's a tour of the teams from the – NFC East that they have yet to play Washington the Giants and the Cowboys at the Dolphins is not going to be a cupcake and and to start this stretch of four or five very very winnable games at the Steelers that's not very very winnable but they got two weeks to get ready for it and this is their opportunity to to send the same kind of message that they sent yesterday Chris that was one of my best bets I looked at Titans given five and a half, and I thought somebody out in Vegas who set the line must have been drunk or something. How in the hell are the Titans only five and a half point favorites? Well, they, as usual, they knew something the rest of us didn't. Yes, they and did. The, the, the Bengals, uh, look, they, the, I, I'm not ready to rule them out. All right, let's take a break. We got a full hour of PFT Live still to come. Superlatives for week eight, right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 